Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. This week, we're joined by Preston Rutledge, former Assistant Secretary for the Employee Benefits Security Administration at the Department of Labor. He recently founded Rutledge Policy Group, a new consulting firm based in Washington, D.C., and he's here to discuss electronic delivery, missing participants, ESG guidance, and of course, fiduciary. Assistant Secretary, with the vast majority of commenters critical of the recently proposed ESG rule, what do you think will happen next? Well, I think the rule uh, will be finalized. That's what will happen next. Uh, first, though, in terms of the criticisms, I think context, context is, is important. Defined benefit plans and defined contribution plans in the United States are governed by the exclusive purpose rule of ERISA. And that sets them apart from any other institutional asset category, at least for defined benefit and defined contribution plans that are sponsored by private employers. Of course, ERISA does not does not extend to public employee uh, plans. But investments, because of that, investments have to be made for the exclusive purpose of providing retirement benefits to the plan participants. And in that vein, the core of the proposed rule continues the Department of Labor's longstanding position going back decades that a plan fiduciary may not sacrifice return or accept higher risk in pursuit of collateral benefits, which means pursuit of non-financial goals. ESG that enhances economic value is okay, and the rule proposes to to solidify that. But ESG that pursues pursues non-financial goals whatever those may be, is problematic. And it's also important to remember, ERISA has a very important social purpose already, and that's the financial security um, of participants during their retirement. Understood. What are your thoughts about the information letter that the DOL issued, making it easier to include private equity investments in retirement plans? I think it's a good development for plan participants. And the participant protections built into the letter are sound. The, the most important thing is we must do something to help defined contribution plan so- savers find returns. We have long-term low interest rates that pose a very serious threat to retirement security. Private equity has the potential to be part of the solution if, in the context of a 401k plan, you can account for the relative lack of liquidity, the long investment horizons, and the need for transparent asset valuations, the DOL letter tackles all of those challenges in a very responsible way. It's estimated that your uh, successful passage of the electronic delivery uh, disclosure rule will save the retirement plan system more than $2 billion over the next 10 years. Do you see that as one of your signature accomplishments during your time as Assistant Labor Secretary? Yes, I absolutely consider it to be a signature accomplishment. We take advantage of improvements in technology in every area of our lives, and we should do the same in 401k plan administration. It's really that simple. Wow. Well, great. Congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, major, major rule. So since leaving the Department of Labor and starting your consulting firm as founder and principal of Rutledge Policy Group, what kind of issues do you find yourself spending the most time on currently? Well, I'd say first, I've received several requests to discuss my perspective on the large volume of guidance that's been coming out of the Department of Labor over the summer. And I'm generally pleased to do that with one caveat that I have not commented on guidance until after the public comment period is closed. People also seem interested in discussing what the employee benefits legislative and regulatory landscape might look like next year. And as for specific issues, I've spent time on single employer 
defined benefit pension plan funding, which is a COVID-related issue and is included in the HEROES Act that was passed last week in the House. And finally, I'm also spending time on issues relating to the implementation of uh, the SECURE Act. So how will your firm help companies, as you know, is quoted, stay ahead of the ever-changing legal and regulatory landscape, specifically with regards to retirement plan savings? Well, based on the insights I've gained working at the IRS, the U.S. Senate Finance Committee, and most recently the Department of Labor, I can use my firsthand knowledge of the legislative and regulatory process to help companies make informed judgments about what might be coming next and how to prepare and position themselves. One thing to keep in mind is that the landscape truly is ever-changing, and that will especially be true if there is a change in administrations next year. It's also important to keep in mind that there are some trends that are not going to change, such as the DOL's focus on missing participant audits and things like that. Understood. You know, we're coming up on Halloween, so we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about the fiduciary rule. That's it's just like a zombie. It keeps coming back. Where are we with the conflict of interest rule, Preston? You know, there's always going to be friction in this area, no matter what the Department of Labor does. But in my view, the irreversible trend is to always put the retail investor's best interest first. And investors increasingly have come to expect it. The concept is becoming embedded in one form or another in all their, the various regulatory regimes, broker-dealer, investment advisor, insurance agent, and ERISA fiduciary. Most importantly, it really is the right thing to do. So what are your thoughts on, you know, with the whole auto revolution on enrollment and escalation, and the next one now is auto portability, um, do you think that it's really going to make an impact? And could it help uh, with EPSA's priority uh, identifying missing participants at this point? Auto portability, um, the guidance on auto portability was a good development. It has the potential to make sure that your 401k account makes the move from your old employer to your new employer. And it may help find missing participants. But in my view, the best way to address the missing participant problem is to not lose track of participants in the first place. And the electronic delivery rule we just discussed, I believe, can help a great deal in that area. People tend to keep the same, you know, people can tend to keep the same personal electronic address even when they change physical residential addresses. And the rule puts an emphasis on the plan administrator promptly fixing the problem of electronic communications that bounce back. So what are we missing here? What are we not seeing? And what keeps you up at night? What are the issues that are really resonating right now for you? Two things um, I would say. First, people who don't have access to a 401k plan at work. We know that savings for retirement is dramatically improved if people have an option to save for retirement at work. We call that the coverage gap, people people not being covered by a 401k. Second, long-term low interest rates. That that's a real a real threat to retirement security in both defined benefit and defined contribution plans really. Um, the Secure Act, which we also I mentioned a moment ago, the Secure Act is designed to tackle the coverage gap by making it much less of a hassle for an employer to sponsor a 401k. So I'm very hopeful that the SECURE Act will be given room to operate beginning in 2021 and achieve its purpose. Assistant Secretary, this is exactly what we needed. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate your time. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.